Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. This is Football Social Daily, your one-stop shop for all the latest from the Premier League in podcast form. On today's show, we'll be licking our lips over some of the mouth-watering Premier League possibilities this weekend. If you could only pick one of the games to watch, which one would you choose? Could it be top of the league Arsenal against unbeaten Spurs? Or perhaps the Manchester derby as Haaland comes up against the rejuvenated United defence of Martinez and Varane. Maybe it's Graham Potter's first game as Chelsea manager. Or might it be the East Midlands derby on Monday night between two struggling sides? We'll get stuck into that in a bit. And we'll also look at why Antonio Conte says he felt disrespected in his latest Tottenham press conference. And as it's a Friday, you know what that means. It's quiz time, of course. So getting ready to test their knowledge on Football Social Daily today. We've got Ian Brannan. Morning, Ian. And good morning to you. Good morning. And we've also got Marley Anderson. We've ditched Joel. His record's been too poor. He's on the bench. We've sacked him <laughs> off. Marley's come in to try and to try and steal a quiz victory. All right, Marley. I did wonder why I was on on a Friday. I, I woke up this morning thinking, oh, I, I scheduled a meeting for half ten thinking... Oh, we're all right. I'm um, not on the podcast. And then I woke up and I got the email like, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't, what my, do you mean, what my, do you mean damn it? You don't want to speak to us? Is that what you're saying? Because my, <laughs> my quiz record's worse than Joel's, I think. I'm not sure that's possible, to be honest with you. Joel. I can't remember <laughs> when he <laughs> Well, at least you don't come up with excuses like Joel. Fair enough. Fair. Joel oh, well, loves a little excuse. He's the Jurgen Klopp of quizzes, is what he is. Um, we'll come <laughs> on to it a little bit later on. We'll do the quiz a little bit later. So start racking your brains about the last seven or so days in the Premier League, because that's what the questions will be based around. But for now, let's look forward to this weekend, because there are so many great matches on the agenda in a first weekend back after the international break in the Premier League. For some fans, this is their first game in over two weeks, of course due to the games being cancelled due to the passing of Queen Elizabeth II and then some further games being postponed due to policing problems. So it's a great opportunity for fans to get back into the swing of things this weekend and there's some really good games. So I'll come to you first, Ian, because we've got a North London derby, we've got a Manchester derby, we've got an East Midlands derby on Monday, there's Graham Potter's first game in the dugout as Chelsea manager when they play Crystal Palace, and there's some other exciting games to look forward to across the roster as well. So what would be your pick this weekend? If you could only choose one game to get stuck into, what would your choice be? As a Leeds United fan, (laughs) I am going to pick Leeds United versus Aston Villa. And the reason that I'm picking that match is, I know you said it's the first games for a couple of weeks. For Leeds United, this is the first match since the 3rd of September. So they've, it's practically like they've been through pre-season. Of course, we had the break. Nearly a month. Exactly, exactly. So it is nearly four weeks since Leeds United last played a game in the Premier League. Now, they've had some time to put that match uh, to the back of their minds because it wasn't a particularly memorable one uh, for Leeds fans when they got stuffed 5-2 against Brentford. So hoping for an improvement on that this weekend. It's the um, it's the Sunday, Super Sunday 
match uh, half four Sunday afternoon Leeds United Aston Villa the thing I've spotted about the fixtures this weekend and I know that there's there's some great matchups but whoever's put the fixtures together has obviously done it by the alphabet and uh, picked a letter out of bag and gone C mm, Crystal Palace Chelsea have a rummage around pick another one out B how about Bournemouth Brentford and then we've got West Ham Wolves and Man City Man United. I just wondered if they'd, uh, you know, pulled them out letter by letter, but then I've just run out of letters and had to sort of go by local derbies like Arsenal Tottenham. So I'll, I'll pick the Leeds United Aston Villa one, but the first one that jumps off the page, of course, uh, I think is the one at um, at uh, the the uh, the Etihad. Um, you know, Man City Man United. That doesn't need any introduction, really, does it? Yeah, I mean, that's looking like a really exciting one. And seeing as the majority of us are based up in Manchester, you do get that little vibe and that little buzz around the city when the Manchester derby rolls around. That game's on Sunday. Would that be your pick, Marley? Or would you be looking at one of the other games? Because that tussle between Erling Haaland up front for Man City and the defence of Manchester United, who have looked much improved following the first two games where they were beaten by Brighton and Brentford of Martinez and Varane, that is looking like a tasty little duel between those players. It is, yeah. Um, it's it's the eye-catching one, but I, th- I was going to choose that, to be fair. But looking at the timings of the games, um, Spurs against Arsenal is the first game we're going to see uh, all weekend. It's the early kickoff on a Saturday. So that to bring back the Premier League properly after the, the two-week international break and obviously the Queen um, passing away nearly a month ago now, it was, uh, that's like the perfect uh, game to get us back into it. It's a good, good North London derby. I have no idea who's going to win it. Um, whereas when I, look, when I look at Man City against Man United, if both teams play their best... Man City win by two or three goals. It's it's that simple. We're just we're waiting on an, a bit of an anomaly for Man United. We don't expect Man United to win on Sunday. We expect them to do all right and sort of use it as a yardstick of how how far they've come and and how far they've improved. But it's the same Man United that got stuffed four 0 to Brentford. So you're you're looking at that and thinking Haaland is is I mean, he's already got more more goals than most Premier League teams this season. So if everyone does average or if everyone on the pitch does really well I, I think there's still daylight between City and United and it should be a, a clear uh, win for City I think. Yeah I mean there's like a triple dose of Derby Day or quadruple if you count Chelsea against Crystal Palace I'm not quite sure that does count but for Chelsea Ian a first chance for their fans to take a look at Graham Potter in the dugout and we've seen him do so much for Brighton and build them from a club who are fighting relegation to a side that have finished in the top 10 last season in the Premier League. They play a tricky Crystal Palace side and in a strange way, although that looks like a winnable game for Chelsea on paper, I bet there's probably 15, 16 other teams that Graham Potter would rather have faced in his first game as Chelsea manager than Crystal Palace, seeing as he's a former Brighton manager and there's a bit of a rivalry there. And they make it tough for the top, for the top teams, do Crystal Palace. So what are you expecting from Graham Potter's first run out as Chelsea manager? Well, as you say, it's it's not the easiest place to start, though. That's the thing, isn't it? Crystal Palace, um, you know, whatever, whatever you say, I know they've not had um, particularly brilliant results of late. You know, they've had a few, quite a few draws, but they've only been beaten once lately and they're a very tough side to break down 
it's going to be different for Graham Potter, isn't it? Getting to used to, to to the resources. Of course, his former side, Brighton, currently standing fourth in the league table. They had a good start to the season. They're a very strong side. I think we'll have a bit more structure, hopefully, about the Chelsea team. You know, he can't argue about the quality of the players he's got in there. You know that if you march into Chelsea, that they've got world-class talent that he's dealing with. And that's something that he's not had to deal with until now. So it'd be interesting how he gels with those players and whether his man management skills that he was so well known for at Brighton work with with players who have in many cases been there, seen it, done it, you know, won European championships or World Cups or Champions Leagues or, or whatever it is. You know, they've they've had the a level of experience that his previous sort of standard of, of player hasn't and the motivation might be slightly different for those. Um but ultimately, they're human beings as well. So um, you'd think a lot of it would transfer. But I think, you know, structure, nothing too exciting. Um, and, and you know, that's probably what Chelsea need. They just need a bit of consistency. They need to get through a few matches, you know, a 1-0 win here and there. And it might be a bit boring to watch initially, but that, that would do it, wouldn't it? It's about the points on the board at the end of the day. It's not about playing with um, extreme flair or anything like that. And I just think a bit more organisation and, and just get through these fixtures now and start off steady and, and build from there. Yeah, I think that's the key, isn't it? Graham Potter just wants to win. That's all he wants to do in the first game as Chelsea manager because we know that at that club, whether it be under the previous regime or the new owner, Todd Bowley, you can see by the reaction to Thomas Tuchel and the way that they dismissed him after just six games of the Premier League season. If you do not win games at Chelsea, doesn't matter who you are, the precedent is that they will sack you. And they've done that over the last 20 odd years, regardless of who the owner's been, at least from what we've seen so far under Todd Bowley's tenure. I think that there are some other really interesting games that we've not even mentioned, Marley. For example, Wolves against West Ham. I mean, you've got David Moyes, who we discussed on yesterday's podcast, who's come under a little bit of pressure recently because West Ham really have started to falter in terms of their performances. And then we've also discussed on Football Social Daily in recent weeks, Bruno Large and whether he might be under a spot of pressure. His side is 17th in just one place above the relegation zone. So this is 17th place Wolves against 18th place West Ham. So this is just one of the games that might go under the radar, but it feels like there's a lot on the line there. Yeah, there is. There's... um. I think both teams, because we're, we're six or seven games in now, we're, I think teams are getting a bit twitchy. Um, it's no longer, it's sort of on the verge of not being a bad start and it's on the verge of becoming a bit of a, a dud season. You know, if um, you know, both teams have spent money as well. You know, West Ham have spent a lot of money this summer. Paqueta come in and Skamaka as well and um, a couple of others too, the um, the the... Tilo Kera and the, the centre-back got injured as well, um, again, you know, they've, they've spent money, so the expectation's there that, they, that they're going to get better, and so far they've been pretty poor, West Ham. Um, even in, in Europe, they haven't looked amazing either, you know, they've had some pretty simple, straightforward teams to play, but not, not exactly blown them away. Um, and Wolves, I, I think they're in a sort of transition period, they're coming away from that back three, trying to to play a bit more, um, a bit more front foot, I would say, like four three three type type of formation. But they, you know they're trying to plug gaps without without Jimenez really because I think he's um, he's he looks a bit of a spent force now Jimenez ever since that head injury, which is obviously really unfortunate. But you know he doesn't seem the same type of player. But 
I think with um, with Large, I think he's getting a bit frustrated now that that I don't think he expected it to be this hard. Um, and since Nuno Santo finished seven three times in a row, the the bar is there. You know that's that's what this Wolves squad can do, um, and he hasn't matched that so far. So people will be looking at him and going, "How did?" You know, is he doing as well as Santo? Because Santo did did obviously really well, but you know, I think Wolves are only another poor season away from start starting to to someone bigger to look at their players like Ruben Neves and say, right, it's you've had enough time there, you've done done well enough to further your own career because Wolves aren't matching your ambitions, and I think that's where the danger is now for Wolves. Also, danger at the bottom of the table for Leicester City and Nottingham Forest. These two sides met in the FA Cup last season, Ian, when Forrest were in the Championship and Leicester were a Premier League side. And Forrest absolutely flattened them, knocked them out of the FA Cup, through to the next round at the City ground. Brilliant atmosphere that day. This one on Monday night will be at King Power Stadium, so Leicester will want to get behind their players. And Brendan Rodgers is under a bit of pressure as well. Reports suggesting that maybe... He's got the next few games to try and sort things out there at Leicester City because they've got a decent run of fixtures coming up. But this game is absolutely huge. And although this is kind of not the the biggest of East Midlands derbies, because I think both clubs would rather beat Derby County, particularly Nottingham Forest. But still, there's plenty on the line and both sides desperate for three points. Yeah, I think it is a big East Midlands derby, actually. And I think it'd be... Be bigger for Nottingham Forest, I think, than Leicester City. I think it's one of those. Forest will be fired up for it, of course, in this uh, in this league for the first time in so long. And um, but the record of of the two sides is, I mean, Nottingham Forest obviously slightly better, but um, you know, the, it, it's it's not good for them being down there, and and it's surprising. And uh, you know, Nottingham Forest. They don't need firing up for it. Leicester City shouldn't need firing up for it. The bottom of the league, but it is, as you say, a local derby. But we've seen these scenes at the King Power for over over the years, where you know the the fans are there with their clappers, and they've they, they've really acted as that twelfth man, haven't they? And they seem to, to a little bit to be lacking that this year for for one reason or another. Maybe it's because they are bottom of the side, but you know that enthusiasm doesn't seem to be quite there. And maybe that is now because the ownership has obviously over the, the years has, has changed and it did come right from the top, didn't it? Uh and and, you know, over time things are maybe altering there. But yeah, it's a it's a big one. I you couldn't possibly really call it. Leicester should have the home advantage and their their crowd should be really, you know, making an intimidating atmosphere for for Forest. Um many of the Forest players, you know, it will be there for First experience of a of a an East Midlands derby, you know, good classic blood and thunder kind of occasion. As you say, Forest got the advantage in the um, uh, in the cup match, but the Premier League could be a whole different affair now. These players have had more time to to, to gel in and uh, couldn't call it. But whoever gets the result, it is it's probably going to be worth more than the three points on the night, you know, overall because. Um, you're risking here starting to get cut adrift at the bottom already and that's not a good place to be and you know those whichever side if a side does does lose that that's uh, yeah big big uh, alarm bells for, for whoever loses that contest certainly 
Well, that one's on Monday night, East Midlands derby, Leicester against Forest. And that's just one of a number of games that look really good this weekend. You've got Arsenal against Spurs, a North London derby, first against third. And we spoke about that on yesterday's podcast with Flav, a Tottenham fan from the Fighting Cock, which is a Spurs podcast. So if you want to get a little bit of a preview to that game in more detail, then just scroll back on the Football Social Daily timeline and you'll be able to find that episode of the podcast. But maybe it's the Manchester derby, the one for you. Erling Haaland up against United for the first time. Graham Potter's first game as Chelsea manager. West Ham against Wolves as well. Two teams tussling it out down the bottom. Lows to look forward to. Can't wait to see how it all unfolds. Next up on Football Social Daily, though, we'll be... We'll be talking about Antonio Conte, who labelled some reports from the media as disrespectful in his press conference yesterday. We'll talk about it next after this here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is FSD, your daily Premier League podcast from the Sports Social team. My name's Niall. I've got Ian and Marley with me. And we're going to talk about Tottenham now, not because of their game against Arsenal, which is looking huge this weekend, but more so for the press conference from Antonio Conte, which preceded it. There were reports this week linking Antonio Conte with a move to Juventus, a club that he's previously managed, of course, the Turin-based side in Serie A. But he's labelled those reports as disrespectful. Are you surprised that these links have emerged, Marley, between Antonio Conte and Juventus, particularly at this early stage of the season? Uh, no, not really. Um, I don't think it's through any fault of, of Spurs's that he's getting linked with, with other jobs. I think his history at um, at Juventus in particular is is one that's well documented. He was captain player for a long time. He was manager. He won things. He did well there um, before you know leaving and, and going elsewhere. But I think with um, if you've seen Juventus play this season, there they're not in a good way. They're, they're way way off what they were three or four years ago when um, when they were getting to later stages of the Champions League and and winning leagues easily. I think you know you always looked around Europe and gone well. Juventus will win Italy, um, PSG will win France, and Bayern will win Germany. But it's not like that anymore. You, I think Italy's wide open, but Juventus aren't really one of the title challengers. Um, they've spent a lot of money, and it's not really working. Allegri's gone back, and it's not it's not as rosy as it once was. Um, so it's no real surprise that they're looking to make a change. And you know, when when you want to maybe think about someone else, to have a guy who's a legend at your club and has also succeeded as a manager, it's an absolute tap in. So. If they're serious about getting him, it'll be a um, a, a test of Spurs' resolve um, as to whether they can keep him. But my sort of gut feeling on it is that um, Spurs will keep him because you know he's only just started the job. Really, um, it's his first full season as manager. There's big ambitions. They've spent well. They've backed him big time in the in the market. They've he he's asked for everything and been given everything by uh, Daniel Levy and, and the board. So it's um, it's still very much a work in progress. And you'd hope as well that he is able to turn it down because I think Conte at any point in his career could go back to Juventus. I think that job's always going to be there for him. Um, whereas at Spurs, he's on the verge of something here where he could get Spurs back in the Champions League and 
he could get him into a title race um, and he could go far in this year's Champions League, you never know. And everything's there in front of him, whereas with Juventus, it's always going to be there and it doesn't matter whether he's 45 or 65, they'll still be interested in him if he was ever available. Yeah, I think that the timing for me is the thing that sticks out here, Ian. It's pretty inconvenient because it's in the press conference that immediately precedes the most important North London derby we've seen for a long, long time with both sides fighting it out at the top of the table. So, you know, when you're going into a press conference like this as a manager, the last thing you want is anything that could unsettle your squad or your players. And here he is answering questions about him possibly moving to another club. Yeah, and he's made the point as well that it's disrespectful all round, you know, not only to, to him and, and to Tottenham to think that, you know, he, he can just sort of up and off, but also to uh, in, to Allegri and, and Juventus because he's he's only just started the job. And for these rumours to come out, um, whether there's any truth in them or not, but it has been reported, obviously, and he's he's been very quick to, to shoot these down, that he's very happy where he is. Of course, he's going to say that. Um, but it, it, it's the sort of sideshow that... And we are in an international break, don't forget, or have been in an international break, and the, the football news slows down quite a bit, doesn't it? You know, when, when these... Especially for Italy, you know, they're, they're not going to the, the World Cup, and for them, you know, their matches over there are, are, are a little more meaningless in the international stages at this moment in time, so there's probably less going on. There isn't that excitement about building up to a World Cup. The journalists there are probably trying to find something. Things aren't all rosy at Juventus, and so they're making a link and, and maybe just seeing what, what comes of it. But he's, he's come out and firmly shot that one down. I think if there was any truth in it, um, he wouldn't be saying that, would he? He, he wouldn't be coming out and, and denying it so f- uh, firmly. You know, we've seen when when there is a truth in any rumor, we see managers sort of go quiet on it, and and we see things happen usually very very quickly. Like we saw, like Graham Potter being you know uh, an example. You know, the rumor came out that he was favoured, and then a couple of days later, he's the Chelsea manager. Um, you know, these deals when they do happen, usually have been rumbling on for quite some time. It seems like a journalist um, has has taken a punt on it just to sort of rattle a few cages, see what comes out, get a story out of it. He got the story out of it, but um, yeah, Conte seems like he's, he's got the job on here. What will be interesting, though, is how things pan out for Tottenham as the season goes. Obviously, they're in, in third at the moment. They're doing well, only a point off the top. You know, for them, you know, I think a top four finish would be pretty good. Or obviously, they're aiming for higher. But if if they did fail or they did drop away for whatever reason, or he was to lose some of his key players like Harry Kane or anybody like that, and they were sold from beneath his feet, as as sometimes can happen at Tottenham, we've seen that before. Um, how he would react then later in the season if there were any rumours or any potential jobs coming up, you know, and and. I don't. We, we've seen with Conte, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't mince his words, but um, and he wouldn't be f- afraid of walking away from from a gig, as we well know. But yeah, um, for him to come out and deny it, I think you can take him at his word. I find with Antonio Conte, you have to really concentrate with what he says because he's very methodical with the way he speaks and very slow with his delivery. Obviously, English is not his first language, but you really have to kind of hone in and concentrate on what he says. And in and amongst what he says, as Ian points out, Marley, he mentioned that he is happy at Spurs. You've already highlighted it to an extent of the way that Daniel Levy has backed him, and we knew that Antonio Conte almost demanded that financial backing in the transfer market. Otherwise, he basically would have walked away from the job 
at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But if you were Antonio Conte and you've been given this backing, regardless of the fact that, you know, an ex-girlfriend, an old employer, if you will, has come back in to scope you out in Juventus, I think he's the sort of character who'd want to see the project at Tottenham through, surely. You'd, you'd hope so, because I feel like that as well. And if, if I was wrong, I would be like, well, it would be another sort of like disappointing moment of, of football where you can't see a job through. I don't like it when managers jump at the chance. You know what I mean? It's not an obvious step up. It's it's another big, big job to to go and uh, to go and rebuild something at, at Juventus. And I think it's a it's a bigger job um, at Spurs. Like as in, it will give him more clout in in his uh, on his managerial CV if he gets Spurs even into a title race and, and finishes second behind Man City, for example. I think that's a huge thing because City is streets ahead of everyone. If but if Spurs went and finished above Liverpool, um, and you know got within say ten points of Man City, I think that's a great season. And if you can end the the trophy drought, there's obvious success there. Um, so if if he went back to Juventus and won the Scudetto, everyone's like, wow, brilliant! Juventus are back. So they should be. It's you know Juventus should be winning titles in Italy. They should be. Get into the the quarters and the semis of the Champions League, and players like Vlahovic and and Chiesa and Pogba going back there, and you know all these star-studded squad of players. Of course, they should be winning things, but with Spurs, it's a bit more underdoggy, um, and a bit more a bit more Conte to win there. Um, it's a little bit hard. I think if he if he left now, it, it, it'd be really disappointing. But I can't see it happening. To be fair, I think it's just paper talk at the minute, and it's an easy one for journalists to write as well. Because as you say, it's it's the ex-girlfriend. They've probably still got feelings for each other. He probably still fancies fancies a quickie with him at, at some point, <laughs> but uh, hopefully not now because it'll leave Spurs um, in the uh, in the mire a little bit. Do you think Tottenham are in a better place now? under Antonio Conte to build to something successful, Ian, than they were under Maurizio Pochettino. And hear me out here, because that Pochettino Spurs team is still pretty iconic in and amongst the fan base, but they reached this Champions League final, they were beaten by Liverpool and were behind after, what was it, two minutes of that Champions League final, and they never really fully recovered from that. And then in the summer after the Champions League final, Daniel Levy said, we're not signing any players, this squad's good enough to do something as is evidenced by the fact we've reached this Champions League final. And from there on in, it all started to fall apart. And, you know, I'm sure Antonio Conte is aware of that and what, you know, a previous Tottenham manager has been able to build. But do you think that with what we've seen, a new stadium now, top players, an excellent manager, do you think they're in a better place now than they were under Pochettino in some ways? Yeah, they definitely are, because I think... In the Pochettino era, if I if I remember rightly, they, they were still at the old White Hart Lane, weren't they? And this whole new era of this new stadium was still a bit of a, not necessarily a pipe dream, but they were just still starting on it and it wasn't fully complete. Um, the team and the resources as a result were a little bit different. Since then, they've moved into this world-class stadium. They've got this perfect surroundings now to to, to build and, and move on. They've always had good resources. They've always had um, a fair bit of money behind them. But obviously, if you get more people in the stadium, that's going to help, isn't it? It in, in, increases your uh, you know your turnover and, and, and money coming into the club a little bit and gives them more money probably from corporate stuff as well. So that's another angle. Um 
So off off the pitch, I think they're obviously in a better position as a business, and and on the pitch, bit of stability now. They, they you know, Daniel Levy has has been in charge of the club for quite a long time, um, and he's had a reputation of being a bit trigger happy, hiring and firing. I, I don't think he's he's quite been like that lately and the managers they've hired have all been quality managers when you think of and they haven't all worked out fair enough um but they've all been quality names you know they've not been left field uh, inexperienced managers they're, they're all managers that have had um you know enough experience um to, to take control of a club like Tottenham and and take them on to the next level Conte clearly a world class manager they've got great players there if they can just hold on to them have a bit more consistency, not be tempted to, to to ship players on and maybe cash in every now and again because they maybe don't need to do that as much now. Stability is what they need, and um, and you know if you can keep Conte, keep him happy, keep the players happy, keep the players fit. <laughs> That's the other thing. Uh, bit of luck, you need that. You can't buy that. Um, and yeah, yeah, they are in much better position because they're you know the the, the league table doesn't lie. We're what seven games in, they're third. Um, and you know they're mixing it with these other clubs that, that do have bigger resources. Let's not let's not hide from that. You know, Man City infinitely more resources than Tottenham. Man United have, Arsenal have. Dare I say it? Newcastle have. You know, so much cash. Whereas Tottenham are well seem now to be a well-run club, and you know that's uh, an important thing. Yeah, certainly is, particularly if you're trying to build something sustainable in terms of winning trophies. Do you think that will be the season then, Marley, this season, the time that Tottenham finally wins something? <laughs> uh, that's a golden question. Um, they're, they're well placed too. I think they could easily win the Carabao Cup or they could win the, the FA Cup. I think on their day they can beat anyone, but uh, will that will that day come? Um, I don't know. I would, I would back them to to push for something, and I would back Conte to be the man who who delivers a trophy. I just don't know when it's going to be, but this season's as good a chance as any. They've got depth now. They've got options. Um, they don't have to be at the very best every week to win games. And you know, we've seen him against Leicester bring Son off the bench, and he, he slams in a hat trick because he's a little bit annoyed that he didn't start the game. He pings in two worldies and gets and completes a hat trick five minutes later. So there's there's um, enough there for them to win everything's in place for them to win something um hopefully they can do it because i think they're a better team than um than a team that instantly gets leveled as as bottlers and uh and this whole spursy tag um i think they've done enough over the years to to dispel that because they've been good enough to to earn a bit more respect than that but until that happens you know the the people are going to go yeah but they never won anything so it's uh it's time okay well Tottenham Hotspur big test for them this weekend Marley says will they win a trophy is the golden question but we've got eight golden questions coming up next because it's the weekly football social daily quiz we'll do it after this Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. Final part of today's episode of Football Social Daily. The final part of Friday's show means it is time for our weekly Football Social Daily quiz. I wouldn't 
really call it winner stays on, but Ian seems to have demolished Joel in the last three quizzes. <laughs> so we've brought Marley in for today. Um, he's on a winning streak. Do you fancy it to continue, Ian? Are you feeling confident? Undefeated over the last two weeks. Ian Brennan! <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I managed it. I mean, I think it was a fairly low ball kind of uh, victory. But anyway, we, we, we snuck it over the line. It's, it's, it, as we say, it's not about... Uh, it's not about the, the margin of the win, it's about getting the points on the board. Certainly is, and Marley, I feel like you're the underdog here, um, but then again, you kind of have to pick up from Joel's poor performances, so, you know, the bar's pretty low, so you can't do worse than that. Yeah, well, the pressure's off, isn't it, because Joel's terrible, so, um, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I'm more confident in your quizzes than I am with Jim's, because Jim's usually feature questions from the 1970s and and screw me over but let's see what's in the bag and uh, I'll try and pull something out all right well let's get this show on the road then let's get this quiz going and as I say I prefer to do it with youngest first so we'll go with Marley every who's week, the youngest every here. week. that'll be me by <laughs> it might be the first time ever on football social daily Marley has gone youngest first in anything but you know he'll yeah. <laughs> take it he'll take it uh here's your first question to kick things off England drew 3-3 against Germany in the Nations League on Monday night, but who scored the three Three Lions goals? I want the three names of the scorers, please. Marley. Um, Luke Shaw, Harry Kane and Miss Mount. Correct. Well done. Mm. One point to Marley. Good job. Good start to the quiz. So that's a point on the board for you. I always do this every week. I forget to get a pen and paper and I start panicking. So I'm like reaching around trying to grab my pen and paper. I've got it. So one point to Marley on the board here. Right, Ian, your first question. Okay. Erling Haaland is being talked up about breaking records in the Premier League and also in Europe. With 26 Champions League goals, he's only four behind the highest scoring English player in the Champions League. Who is that English player? Highest scoring in- English player in the Champions League. Um... Is it Paul Scholes? got to be Rooney, hasn't it's it? It's not. It's Wayne Rooney. <laughs> is it Wayne Rooney? I thought Wayne Rooney was too obvious. It's Wayne Rooney. And then yeah. the second is actually Raheem Sterling. And the third is Ryan Giggs. And then it's Paul Scholes, who's the fourth most highest uh, scoring English player. I wasn't player. far off. You weren't far off, no. In the right but orbit. what the scary thing is, yeah. is Erling Haaland's, what, 23, 22? And he's got 26 Champions League goals. It's bonkers, and isn't Rooney it? And Rooney got 30 Absolutely in his whole not. career. <laughs> that is that is incredible. <laughs> okay, so it's 1-0 to Mali. And moving on to his second question. Fabian Delph retired from football earlier this week, but in his career, in which he played for Leeds, Aston Villa, Everton and Manchester City, how many titles did he win? Oh God, is this is this not multiple choice? <laughs> um, I ditched multiple choice to get rid of Joel's complaining, so I'm going to have to stay fair. Uh, All right. um, how many trophies? Well, not at Villa. Um, or not many at Villa. I'd say seven. Two. Two. Both of them Premier Leagues with Manchester City. 17-18 and 18-19. So two trophies. I thought thought they picked up at least four Carabao Cups like they always win. I was going to say, didn't they? Man City won, won an FA Cup, didn't they? Well, that's what I thought. But according to the statistics that I was looking at, only two trophies. So, I mean... 
that's the way it goes. Mm. Um, might be needing some <laughs> after-show investigation into that one. <laughs> I think the jury's out on that one. <laughs> okay, the answer was two, so no points there for Marley. All right, next question. Ian, which Premier League player won their 100th cap for their country during the international break and was even surprised by his wife, who secretly interviewed him about his career? Oh, um, Premier League player. God, they're a bit he's struggling. A bit tricky today. Hundredth cap. And what hundredth cap for his his nation? For his nation, yeah. Mm, right. Okay. Uh, I'll give you okay. a clue because it is tough. They're not in the World Cup, so there you go. There's a clue. <laughs> right. That only uh, narrows it down to another 160 nations. So you're right. <laughs> right. Oh man. Um uh, oh. 100 caps. 100. God, we should surely know who this person is. That's quite a lot. You do uh, know who this person is. Yeah. You I just know. can't think of I it. I can't think who it is. <laughs> oh man. It's got to be a legend. Um, Today will do, Ian. He'll have 150 caps by the time you get a name, name yeah. out. <laughs> the Gareth, Gareth Bale. He's not even in the Premier League, but I'm just saying to me, move this on. I don't it is know. a home nation, but it's not Wales. It's yeah. Northern Ireland. Johnny, Johnny Evans. Evans. Played for Leicester City at the moment, of course. Caps. A hundredth cap came against Greece. Um Still in his sort of mid-30s, plays for Leicester. Did play for West Brom and Manchester United, of course, yeah. as well. Um, and his wife, Helen, is a presenter, and she secretly flew to Belfast to interview him <laughs> uh, about um, his 100th cap, which was a, a nice little video. So, well done to Johnny Evans. It, I remember. Yeah. 100 caps for him for Northern Ireland. So, unfortunately for Ian, no points there either. So, Marley still leads <laughs> 1-0. Going into the third question... FIFA 23, the video game, was released recently, but who's the highest-rated Premier League player in the game? Uh, De Bruyne. It is Kevin De Bruyne. Well done. I don't even play it anymore. 91 uh, rated. It's clear he's got to be. Yeah, and Mo Salah and Ronaldo, both 90 rated. So there we go. Well done, Marley. That's a two-point lead. So, Ian, you need to get this next one right. And this next one is is a tough one. I will admit that, but it has oh, been in the oh news. Good. It has been in the news. Former Burnley boss Sean Dyche revealed that he has an unlikely friendship with Elton John. But what was Sir Elton's nickname for the gravelly-voiced manager? I'll give you a clue. It's not Dyche or the Ginger Mourinho. Ah, <laughs> uh, I think I have seen this. Uh, is it Darling? That is correct, Ian. Well done. Yes, it is my darling, my angel. I would have accepted either of those for for the oh. answer to that question. So. Oh, 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 love, love your work. Love your work. Oh, darling. Yes. Um, oh. Not something you can imagine Sean Dyche being called. Well done, Ian. You've got a point on the board for that answer. So it's 2-1. Marley has a chance to stretch into a 3-1 lead. And if Marley gets this right, I think that clinches it for today's quiz. So the pressure's on here, Marley. Let's go. A report this week revealed that last season, the Premier League sustained more injuries to its players than any of the other top leagues in Europe. But which Premier League club sustained the most injuries last season? Uh, 
It, it's got to be Leeds. It must, it must be Leeds. They had loads. It's not Leeds. The answer was Chelsea oh, with 97 yeah. separate injuries recorded. So unlucky, but, Marley. Nightmare. That opens the but door here for Ian. They've got about 97 players, though. That's the, that's the thing. If yeah, you... I do wonder whether loan players are counted into this. But, you know, that's the data we've got from this report. 97 injuries last season. Um, that obviously isn't 97 different players. It's just 97 different instances of injury. I do wonder what Leeds numbers were. It's a really good guess, actually, Marley. But unfortunately, it's not right. Yeah, Leeds, I think, had obviously more, more of a higher percentage of their squad was out, if you know what I mean, because um, the, their squad was smaller. But I think they had, I think at some point it was like 25 injuries or something um, at once in a squad of about yeah, 35. Mental. Absolutely crazy. Like that. So it's still 2-1 to Marley going into Ian's final question. Chance to clinch a tiebreaker if you get this one right, Ian. Oof. Are you ready? Well, I'm ready as ever, I'll ever be. Liz Truss, the UK <sighs> Prime Minister, has been under some serious fire this week after her government oversaw the plummeting of the pound to record low levels against the US dollar. But what former Premier League club does she claim to be a supporter of? Oh, right. I mean, that's, she's a difficult one because she's like lived all over the place, hasn't she? Now, is it... Be- I saw Delia Smith on a thing and they were talking to her about football and Liz Truss. And my, was it the one show or something like that? So I'm going to say Norwich. Is it Norwich? Some serious drama. It is Norwich. Oh. We're going to a tiebreaker. It? <laughs> it was only because I saw um, <laughs> Delia Smith on something. They were talking to her about football and Liz Truss. Well, the night. you've done well logically because you got it <laughs> right. And that makes it 2-2. So we're going to go into a tiebreaker. But on Liz Truss, she is a MP. Obviously, she's the prime minister, but she's an MP for, I think, South Norfolk or something like that. And okay. so therefore, she supports Norwich City since she moved there in the early 2000s. But she apparently grew up in Leeds. Although she, she never did. properly yeah. supported Leeds United, yeah. although she does mm. know of Don Revy, apparently. So, and if oh, you right. read what if you read what she says about Leeds, it, it's very clear she hated it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not even kidding. Know. She's not very uh, nice about it. But sometimes the team anyway. you deserve finds you. <laughs> well, I'd like to say Norwich City have plummeted, much like the pound. But um, unfortunately, <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather the pound stayed up and Norwich City went back. Down. Norwich to bounce back. <laughs> yeah, quicker. hopefully it bounces back quickly like Norwich normally do. Okay, so we're going to a tiebreaker, lads. Wow. We are going to a tiebreaker. Normally, I just make these tiebreaker questions up off the top of my head, but this time I've written one down. So this, this is the way it's going to work. It's going to be fastest finger first. So just jump in with your answer. And if you don't get it right, I'll just keep saying no, and you can keep guessing until someone gets it right, okay? So it's basically okay. first finger on it. Whoever wins, wins the title of Quizmaster for today's episode. So are oh. you both ready? Yep. Yes. New coins have been minted with the head of King Charles III on them. The new king was born in 1948... Who were the champions of English football that season? 1947-48. Stoke. Incorrect. Huddersfield. Incorrect. (laughs) Arsenal. Correct, Ian. He's done it. He's gone and done it. He has gone and done it. 90th minute winner. (laughs) Unbelievable. Absolute drama. That was, was, honestly, I was just like, 
looking at the fixtures for this weekend oh. and the first one was us I was working through them can you believe Ian just happened to be looking through the uh, list of English Premier League champions on Wikipedia and then just plucked out Arsenal as his second guess so it didn't look too obvious yeah to be fair I can't really moderate whether any of you are cheating but it made for good drama anyway so Ian wins 3-2 no no no, no Jen, I was just trying to think of teams as well that were that are, that are around now that would would still been around then, you know, of a, of a certain because they, like like Marley said, you know, like Huddersfield, and that's why I said Stoke. Yeah, you they, know, these sort of teams can be around, but then there are teams that were that were big way back then that still are there now. Everton, maybe, you know, a team like that would be probably my next guess. Well, Pompey were champions in 1949, just a year later, so you know, could have been well, then. Hey, if you yeah, had guessed that's, Portsmouth, that's imagine that. That would have been good. Anyway, well done, Ian. You've won the quiz again. <laughs> well, that's on the... on the Friday edition of Football Social Daily. Three, two, your toughest test that, yet. That though, was, has to be said. Um, yeah, that was high drama, and uh, yeah, big, <laughs> big surprise that. Marley, wow. unlucky, mate. I know it's hard to speak to the press after a defeat like that, yeah. a crushing loss. Yeah. But what's your take on it? I feel like AC Milan in 2005 in Istanbul. I was 2 0 up, cruising. <laughs> and then that, that uh, what do you call it, question with Elton John, frigging hell, that, that screwed me over. Because if I'd have got He's... that, I wouldn't have got that. Um, but because we've got Delia Smith's biggest fan and I'm the opposition, <laughs> I couldn't uh, I couldn't deal with it. And the comeback was on, it giving them the momentum to come back and, and pit me at the post. Oh, the pendulum swung Ian's way. That is it for today's Football Social Daily. Great fun as ever on the Friday quiz. Don't forget, if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast again. Fergal Brennan will be back on Sunday looking across the weekend's Premier League fixtures, including those massive derby matches between Manchester United and Manchester City and Arsenal and Tottenham. But we'll be back a little bit later before that on Football Social Daily with shots, rounding up some of the Premier League news from the day that you might have missed. But from us on today's episode, that is it. And we'll catch you next time on FSD Football Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk